And one of the things we discussed last week was the fact that in verse 12, where it says, just as sin entered the world, that we are not to confuse the word sin here in this context, context, excuse me, with the word sins, plural. The word sin here in Romans 5 and 12 is singular, and it is not dealing with the commission of acts that are unrighteous and unholy. Those things we call sins. This is the condition or the heredity that is sin, that all men are bestowed with as a result of Adam's disobedience. All men throughout all history have a heredity of sin. Okay? And with that said, we understand that uh, because of the Scriptures, that God does not punish mankind for the heredity of sin. That's not an issue. Why? Because we can't fix that issue. We inherited sin as a condition, as a nature. The problem comes in with the, the mindset of that condition, that nature, and that is this. Uh, I have my claim to my right to myself. Autonomy from God. Therein lies the problem, because in with that mindset, now we have the idea of sins, the willful, wanton acts against God and His will. That's a whole different animal. The heredity of sin is a different thing than the commission of sins and the mindset that goes along with it. God says, do this. We say, I don't think so. I'm going to go do what I want. Yes? Yeah. So God punishes the nature of sin that came into us by Adam. Or not the the nature. The nature, yes, not the heredity. Okay. We also talked about what redemption and what salvation is. And they are different. Redemption is not the same as salvation. To say I am saved and therefore I am redeemed is correct. To say that I am redeemed and therefore saved is not. Redemption was won by Jesus Christ on the cross for all mankind, one time for all. Salvation, on the other hand, is the decision of mankind as to what they're going to do with the availability of redemption. You can go to hell just as fast as not by being redeemed. You can't if you're saved. But you have to be redeemed, which, incidentally, you are. It is our hope that you have acknowledged that redemption And you do so by acknowledging your need for a Savior. Now, let's move forward. That's what we talked about last week. And you're thinking, why couldn't you have just said that and gotten us out a lot earlier? I know where you're coming from, you smart Alex. I know. Now, 
Here's the thing. Jesus is in the business of redeeming us. Amen? He did that. It's done. From the best among us to the worst among us, we all have hereditary sin that needed to be redeemed against. Correct? Every one of us. Just say yes. (laughs) Well, he's in the, the business of redeeming us. And in the redemption, he wants to regenerate us through salvation. If we are going to get regenerated, we need Jesus to do it. And if Jesus is going to regenerate me, what then is it that he faces in me to transform or alter me from my condition of lost, sinful, carnal man into a redeemed, saved individual? What does he face? It's simple. It's really very simple. This is the challenge faced by God. I, everybody say I, okay, have a heredity in which I have no say and no decision. And that is that I am not holy, nor Am I likely to be? That's our confession of sin. That's it. Redemption addresses that. I am ungodly. I am unholy and I am unrighteous just in and of myself. This is my inheritance. That's our set of circumstances. Those are the cards humanity has been dealt Now, in response to that, in response to the the idea that Jesus wants to get me saved, but all Jesus does is tell me that I've got to be holy. Remember what 1 Peter says. Now it is written, be holy because I'm holy. I asked this question last week. How many of you have ever tried to be holy? Okay. Uh, You have no idea how many of you don't give a flip about being holy. You have no idea. From my perspective, I've got like four people. Yeah, I tried. The rest of you are like, no, not so much. holy it's overrated i have things to do you know but in this in this notion in this idea that jesus wants us regenerated that jesus wants us saved as a result of the redemption he has already bought and all he comes to the table with is paul you need to be holy you're like i can't be holy I am by heredity unholy, ungodly, unrighteous, and there is not a moral thing that I can do in order to fix that. I can be the single most pious, moral, religious individual on planet Earth, and I am still damned because I can't be that. Now, we're talking not about 
holy as in good conduct. We're talking about holy as in heredity. Yeah, everybody get that? You can be as great all you you can be just as great as the day is long. It does not matter in this equation. One iota. And if all Jesus can do is tell me to be holy, then his teaching doesn't give me hope. It doesn't encourage me. It doesn't uplift me and edify me. It causes me despair. Why? Well, I've already said it. I have a heredity in which I have no say, nor do I, did I make a decision on it. I am not holy. I am not likely to be holy. I am toast with respects to that. So if when someone preaches, you need to be holy, because he's holy and doesn't tell you how, how does that make you feel? Oy vey. Keep in mind, I'm not holy and I'm not likely to be holy because the Bible tells us clearly, for there are none righteous. And it goes on to say that as people, our righteousness is as what? Filthy rags. And I keep saying that every time I cite that verse, I keep saying that's not talking about you have a rag with some dirt on it. That is not what that means. In fact, what it really means is kind of ew. Really, really ew. You look it up in your strongs yourself. That way, I don't have to talk about it. So, here we are, you and I, everyone that's gone before us, everyone that's coming after us, we have this heredity of sin that we have passed down to us, and we can't do a thing about it. What is, then, heredity? In the physical sense, heredity is simply, and we all know this, it's the passing on of either physical or mental characteristics, good or bad, genetically from one generation to the other. That's what uh, heredity is. However, the human race uh, has another additional dimension of heredity, another dimension uh, or level of heredity that those two things don't include. It's a spiritual heredity the nature and the disposition of sin in which manifests as it's, it, it manifests itself as self-realization, my right to myself, I am my own God, therefore I make decisions for myself and I need not God himself. That's the spiritual heredity. An inherent autonomy, an autonomy mindset from God. Now, Trying to remove that heredity is like trying to change your eye color without contact lenses. It's the same problem, etc., etc. But, now, let's move forward here. But, if Jesus is in fact truly a regenerator, someone 
who can, now listen very carefully. If you hear nothing else, you need to hear this. Someone who can put his, his own heredity of holiness into me now. At that stage in the game, if that's who Jesus is, he takes our heredity, and I'm, gonna, I'm getting ahead of myself, he nails that bad boy to the cross. But he takes what he is inherently, and he inserts that or superimposes that into our being. Now, think about this, now when Peter quoted the Old Testament and said, Be holy because I'm holy. At that stage, with Jesus' heredity inserted, superimposed, placed within us, now I can begin to see what he means when he says that I have to be holy. It's not a question of you acting good. It's a question of us acknowledging Him as the answer to our sin problem. Now, by acknowledging Him, acknowledging my need for a Savior, He superimposes His inheritance, His heredity into me, and by default, I am Made holy. When I realize that, I can see what he means. Because at that stage in the game, I'm no longer working off of my ability to be holy. Because remember, we can't. Now y'all, some of you need this to sink down into your hearts. Because I believe with all of my heart, some of you battle with the idea of your humanity getting in the way of your Christianity. When in reality, God understands your humanity and how that manifests at times. How many of you can think right now, of a thing that takes you out of acting Christian and starting to act like you're really human. How, okay, okay. Why do you think he sent Christ? To save us only when we act good? I need one of those buttons that when you push it, it goes, eh, I need one bad. And I want it permanently mounted right here because I'm just going to go, eh. Everybody will know. Well, that was wrong. No. John tells us, don't sin. Right? Doesn't John say, right out, flat out. He lays it right don't sin. Right? And then, in the right after the punctuation, don't sin. Boink. Then he says, but if any of you do, we have an advocate with the Father. Who's doing what? Oh, he's sitting back eating 
Cheetos and drinking a Dr. Pepper. No, forever making intercession for us. See, this is Christianity. This is why you see some people running around in absolute victory and not the fake kind when they're trying to convince themselves, I am blessed and highly favored. Not that. You are blessed and highly favored. But that's not the mantra. The mantra is, He has redeemed me, and because I saw my need, therefore I am saved. Forever and always. Because He took care of that. The meaning of redemption then is that Jesus Christ can put anyone. you hear that word? Anyone. This is where the whosoever clause of John 3.16 gets inserted. Anyone. The whosoever wills of the world. Anyone. He can put into anyone the hereditary nature that was Himself. That is, He can and He does pass, listen to this, the spiritual characteristics that are inherent in Him onto us and that all of the standards He gives to us to live are based on that nature, not our old, sinful, carnal nature. That doesn't take place anymore. That's no longer a facet. That is no longer an issue. Everything He says for you to do as a Christian, He bases all of that on, you acknowledge me and I'm going to acknowledge you. I'm going to put in you what I am. And I'm going to take what you were, and I'm going to nail that to a cross. Now, that's important theology. Man, that's as important as it gets in terms of your relationship and your understanding of the relationship with Christ, through Christ, with God, and then subsequently attempting to share your faith with the lost. You can't run around wondering if God is mad at you because you actually still have flesh and blood and you're not spirit. You're not ethereal. You're not transcendent. He is. And although He replaces your heredity, you still live here. We've got to get it through our thick, spiritual, unfortunately, intellectual heads that He redeemed all mankind, past, present, and future. And once you make the decision to say, I am lost and I need what He's provided, you are saved and you're not getting extracted from that. Just by wanting to run over the guy that just pulled out in front of you in traffic. 
I'm sorry. I have a buddy. Y'all know him, Dan Wormuth Jr. Dan Wormuth Jr. is quite a cat. He's a pastor up in Joplin, Missouri. And he's a really good one. And he is a character. And he proclaimed to me one day, just as plain as the nose on my face, and my nose is pretty plain. He said, if there is one thing that's going to ever send me to hell, it's traffic. think traffic is from hell so anyone who wants to avoid traffic needs to get saved because it's going to be in hell it's just not of God and I think traffic is not of God is because most people inhabiting traffic are not of God they may be redeemed they're just not saved His teaching, Christ's teaching, is meant to be applied to the life which He puts in us. Because if you think about the commandments and the, uh, the, the, the things that Christ told us to do in our lives, the vast majority of that stuff is quite impossible for the sinful, carnal nature of you and I. But those things put and superimposed over the life which He puts in us, Now, that's a whole different animal. That's a whole different animal. The proper action on my part is simply to agree. Agree with God's verdict on sin. What is God's verdict on sin? Well, boy, I want to jump ahead. It's that it's nailed to a cross. It's that that sin, that heredity, that's why I keep saying that the... Inheritance, the heredity of sin, that autonomy mindset, that thing is gone for all of mankind. All of mankind is redeemed through the cross of Jesus Christ. The question isn't redemption. The question is salvation, which is the result of a decision on the part of people. Right? But God, which is something I don't think you and I get frequently is that God has passed a verdict on sin. He's judged it, and He condemned it to the cross. Now, I'm about to explain in a minute why that happened or how that happened. You'll get it in just a minute. The New Testament teaching about regeneration is that when a person is hit, when a person has a collision with his own personal need for a Savior... They see what the Savior has provided and they go, I am lost, I am undone, I am sinful, and I am far from God. When they have a collision with that reality, God then does something. He puts the Holy Spirit into that lost individual's spirit and that person's spirit then is altered Permanently. It is altered. This is the inheritance. It's energized. It's empowered. It's enabled by the Spirit of the Son of God. The Bible says, until Christ is formed in you. How many of you are either in this place or you 
remember this place in your own Christianity or you know someone like it. Someone who has gotten saved legitimately. They're legit. They came to know Jesus because they saw their need. But their human nature still comes out. Whether it be through language or actions of some sort. Let me tell you something. Our inheritance is that the Holy Spirit resides with us until, until Christ is formed in you. How many of you can look back across your Christianity and see how you changed with time? Okay, all three of you, great. That's awesome. Oh, four of you, great. A little late there to the party, Steph, sorry. (laughs) This is the heredity that has been given to us. His. The miracle of redemption is that God can put a new nature into me through which I can live a totally new and different life. The caveat here is that I have to get to the point of recognizing my need for that redemption to be applied to my life. I'm already redeemed, but I have to see the need for that to be applied to me That's called salvation. God cannot put that in me. God cannot put that in me. God didn't put it in you. Somehow or another, you made that decision. Something was made, you were made aware of your need for Christ's redemption. Somehow. God didn't just go, all of a sudden you have that. Mm -mm. You have to see that need. God cannot put it in in me, the nature that was in Jesus Christ, unless I am aware of my need for it. Just as the nature of sin entered into the human race through one man, the Holy Spirit entered into the human race through another man. That's our text verses. And redemption means that I can be delivered from the heredity of sin and that through Jesus Christ, I can receive a pure and spotless heredity, namely the Holy Ghost. So, what exactly is sin? Yeah, there's all kinds of definitions and stuff, you know, the missing mark, uh, missing the mark and stuff like that. But in reality, sin is not, listen to me carefully, not wrongdoing. That is not sin. Those are sins. Sin is wrong being. It is deliberate and it is determined uh, determined independence from God. That's what sin is. The Christian faith bases everything on the extreme self-confident nature of sin. Other faiths deal with sins. But sins, not doing this, not doing that, not doing the other thing, that does not get to the core of the issue. The core of the issue is that determined and deliberate independence from God. 
sin, the state, the, 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 the condition. The Bible alone deals with sin. Faith, nah. But the Bible directly talks about sin. The first thing Jesus confronted in people, the very first thing Jesus confronted in people was the heredity of sin. This determined, deliberate independence from God. And it was, it's because so often we have ignored that reality, that fact, that our preaching of the gospel is somehow hollowed out, somehow lost its punch, somehow lost its power, because we're telling people stop doing these things when that has nothing to do with salvation. Salvation is based in redemption through the cross, and we have to see our need for it because we do all these other things, but those things find their seat in our heredity of sin. When we start preaching that again, that you are redeemed if you will only see your need, that you are born this way and you cannot fix it by being good, then the revealed truth of the Bible is not that Jesus Christ, listen to this, that Jesus Christ took on Himself our fleshly sins. That's not what He did. But He took on Himself the heredity of sin that no man can even touch. God made His own Son. This is incredibly powerful theology. Incredibly powerful theology. God made His Son, quote, to be sin. Okay, now I want you to fathom what I just said. God made Jesus sin. Everybody got that? And then the divine plan was to take that. That sin, Jesus, that sin for all mankind, all of it, on Him. Now follow me. And then take that and make that thing die on a cross and be buried. That is immense theology. That is vast in its, in its proportions. He took... I'm getting ahead of myself. In so doing, by taking Jesus... And making him sin. He did that so that he might take the uh, take or make the sinner into a saint. Remember, might make because that is the definition of redemption. Him being made sin, being nailed to a cross, dying and being buried. That makes the heredity of sin for all of mankind. Buried forever and always. That's what just that's what does everybody is everybody following that? Okay. It is revealed throughout the Bible that our Lord took on himself the sin of the world through what? Another word that's 
deeply theological identification with us. Not through sympathy for us. He came down, God, perfection in its extreme. The utter outer borders of perfection, God, became like us. That's what identification means. It means he could walk in our shoes, live the way we lived, do what we do, experience what we experience. That's called identification. Yet, there is one gigantic exception to this thing. He did this by becoming like us in the flesh, but remained without sin. Why? How? His heredity. That is what... He even got tempted, guys. And we all know that. He was even tempted. With, let's be honest. With some pretty cool stuff. Yet, without sin. Why? The heredity. That's what's meant by identification. He deliberately took on his own shoulders and endured in his own body the complete accumulation of sin in the human race. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. And by so doing, he placed salvation for the entire human race solely on the basis of redemption. Because he could. Jesus Christ reconciled the human race, putting it back uh, to where God designed it to be. And now anyone can experience that reconciliation, being brought into oneness with God on the basis of what our Lord has done on the cross. A man cannot redeem himself. Redemption is the work of God and is absolutely finished. It is absolutely complete. End of discussion. There is no more redemption. No more redeeming. It's already set in place. It's a done deal. Everyone, past, present, future, redeemed. All of them. And its application to individual people is a matter of their own individual action or response to it. Do they accept it or do they reject it? A distinction must always be made between the revealed truth of redemption and the actual consequences or the conscious experience that is known as salvation in a person's life. Redemption, and I'm closing. Redemption is the fact that the entire human race has been extended the opportunity of right standing with God. That's why Jesus said, it is done. Salvation is what happens when an individual responds in affirmation to that redemption. Now, I'm going to close right now with this. Some of you older church folk, you're going to be able, I mean, you've been around church for a long time. You're going to relate to this illustration because I stole it. It is no more original than the day is long. Decades past, I heard this growing up. Preachers used to use an illustration. 
trying to explain this very subject, wherein a wealthy man would write a check for some untold, usually the preachers would say a million bucks, for some untold amount of money, and then offer it to anyone, to everyone. And all that they would have to do in order to acquire that check would be to show up, identify themselves, and take possession of it. Just take the check and all of the wealth that it represented. Walk out. Cash that bad boy. There it is. All the wealth in the world. And all you had to do was show up, identify yourself, and take it. That is a picture of redemption. That's exactly what redemption is. The check is written. It's perpetually available, never retracted, offered to all mankind. That is redemption. Acquiring the check, that is a picture of salvation. That occurs when someone, the whosoever wills of the world, show up, identify their spiritual poverty, their need for a Savior, and takes possession of the wealth of redemption. That is salvation. The offer of redemption is available for all mankind. It is only a question of who will accept it and who subsequently will be saved. Redemption and salvation. Stand with me. Is there anyone here today before we we close today and go about our separate ways for this holiday week and incidentally remember tonight at seven o'clock down at Grace Community Church. It's gonna be a good time. I promise you it's gonna be enjoyable if you come and join us. This holiday week, going into this, you're gonna be around people and running into people, hopefully not literally while doing your shopping for Thanksgiving and all this other stuff. Is there anybody here that needs to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? You just don't know Him. You don't know Him. And you know, for so long I've been talking about Revelation 3, verse 20, how Jesus stands at the door and knocks. Knocks at your heart's door trying to get in because He wants to be joined with you. Well, He's there because you're already redeemed. He just wants to talk to you about getting saved. He did the hard work. All you have to do is acknowledge the fact that you need what He gave. Nobody today? Father, we love You. We exalt You. We praise Your name because You are God. And we are so thankful for so many things, Lord. But Father, quite practically or quite frankly, the the one thing that I'm most thankful for is the fact that you were the other man and through your obedience, you redeemed me because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So Father, I'm just asking right now that as we depart from this place, as we go our separate ways and you would just keep us. Help us, Father. Let this, 
this, these words seep into our spirits and into our consciousness and into our subconsciousness that we deeply grasp, that we can understand what it is that you've done. Father, because that's what we need. We need to understand it so that our lives are changed. Not living religiously, living redeemed with a new, a new heritage, a new inheritance. And Father, I'm asking all this in your Son's holy name. And we ask these things. Bless this group as they depart. Help them to have a happy Thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You are dismissed.